everyone, welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast, episode 71, which is kind of crazy. I'm Colin McFader, <laughs> and as always, joined by Clark Coffey. Um, hey, 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 what's going on, dude? Not much, not much. I'm really excited to talk about this one today. Me too. Um, because this is a really very, um, you know what, a movie with lots of meat to it. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I think Boy, uh, doesn't uh, it ever. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Have a lot. And, uh, in case <laughs> you, you hadn't read the, the title... Um, of course, what we're talking about today is uh, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ, 1988. Right. Yep. Uh, yes, we are. And that was that, that was, was my really... pick. That yeah, was my your pick. pick. Yeah, Clark's pick. And you know what? You know what's kind of crazy? Like I was, you know, uh, you know, watching this again for the first time in a long time, and and kind of you know wrapping my head around the context context of its original release and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, when I picked this film, I just completely and totally forgot or didn't didn't even think of i guess might even be a better way to say it like like all of the kind of the controversy and everything that was surrounding this film at the time of its release i i completely forgot all about that it was just really kind of thinking you know more in terms of just like uh, the martin scorsese master filmmaker this is arguably maybe one of his most like you know, personal or passionate films that he's made. And so I was just mm -hmm. totally picking it like on that alone, you know. Right, right. Father? Will you listen to me? Are you still there? Will you listen to a selfish, unfaithful son? fought you when you called. I resisted. I thought I'd no more. I didn't want to be your son. Can you forgive me? I didn't fight hard enough. Father, give me your hand. I want to bring salvation. Father, take me back. Make a feast. Welcome me home. I want to be your son. I want to pay the price. I want to be crucified and rise again. I want to be the Messiah. You know, Colin, before we jump into the last temptation of Christ, and I'm mm -hmm. really excited to do so, especially after that intense clip that we just listened to, I want to talk to our audience about Magic Mind. And we've we've talked about this product a few times in our mm -hmm. previous episodes, yeah. but I want, I want to bring it up again. I'm curious. I'm curious, Colin. Are you a morning person? No, not at all. You, seriously, you're, you're not just saying that for the spot, right? No, you, I, 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 I like to think that I am. Like there's yeah. something about getting up early in the morning that I do like. I like uh -huh. the idea of, and I, I you know, yeah, I, I like always the, feel good yeah. once I'm like, watching the sunrise or something like that but i also wait, wait. am just not i'm always tired and i'm always yeah i'm not yeah. a morning person <laughs> i'm not a morning person either and i i can totally appreciate how how you you like the idea of it and that you kind of wish you were because i'm i'm in the same boat uh i'm right there with you and i you know i mean i'm guessing that like you've probably you know tried a bunch of different stuff to like get yourself going in the morning right and coffee, I don't know, energy drinks, like all this, you know, whatever. Like, well, most people, I mean, like most people, I don't know what the mm -hmm. population, like mm -hmm. the percentage of the population that has coffee is, but it's got to be crazy high. Obviously, energy drinks are super popular, but there's another alternative out there that I've been trying for a while, and I wanted to share it with the audience. It's called Magic Mind, and there's a couple things that I really enjoy about this, it's I, I, first of all, I don't really like the taste of coffee. Not everybody does. I know it's like super popular. Not everybody does. And the cool thing is, if you do like coffee, you can actually take this Magic Mind alongside coffee. It's mm -hmm. a little shot. It's a couple ounces, and it has 55 milligrams of caffeine in it. Now that caffeine comes from matcha tea, and what's really cool about this is that it's actually kind of like a natural time release caffeine. So instead, so. First of all, a few things that I really enjoy about it. It's it's not I, I, I don't like being overly caffeinated. I, I am not a fan of that. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you. Uh, maybe you love like huge amounts of caffeine, um, but I'm not a big fan. And I so I have actually found that it's a, it really hits like a nice sweet spot. Now, if you do like more caffeine, again, you could take this with coffee 
it's like a nice like complimentary kind of thing going on there but i i tend to prefer to just uh consume the shot myself or, or i mean all by itself um but 55 milligrams of caffeine i found has like been the perfect amount to kind of like get me awake kind of like break me through that like morning kind of you know haze of kind of procrastination and yeah, kind of like just want to sit there and like watch youtube videos for a while you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it's actually kind of nice kind of gets me motivated um but but without like making me like kind of overly anxious or overly hyped up which well and even if you yes. were to take it with with like a coffee too there's right. other ingredients in it too that are beneficial right there like are. there's there's a whole bunch of different stuff that's there is you're in right. this drink that that will you know add just or beyond so just the caffeine good, that's a good point colin thank you so you know this is a reminder of why I as you you are worth everything that you cost on the show, <laughs> Colin. You're, my, this my is a reminder. No, but it's true, fee. and and it's true. No, and and look, and I and I, I harp on the on the majesty, right? Because um, I do love caffeine, even though I, I I don't like too much of it, and I'm not a big mm -hmm. fan of the taste of coffee. I do really focus on the caffeine aspect, but you are right. There are a lot of other ingredients in this that people might be interested in. Some examples, ash, uh, ashwagandha. Um, there is like lion's mane mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms. There's some other ingredients here. And of course, people could hop onto their website and check all this th all these things out in more detail. Um, so there definitely are more ingredients. You're absolutely right. I tend to kind of focus on the caffeine part. That's the part that I feel like uh, I kind of, my body seems to respond to the most. Now, you know, I'm no expert, who knows, maybe I'm like feeling, um, you know, some of those other ingredients, but, uh, but that's, that tends to be kind of the thing that I focus on. Other people may be like more interested or sensitive to those other ingredients. It's true. Um, but I can just tell you that for me, you know, especially, um, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do is like get into the habit of writing, right? In the morning, I'm like working on developing my writing habit, making that stronger. And we've talked about that several times before in previous episodes. And man, for me, it's like so important, like that little ritual of like mm -hmm, preparation, mm -hmm. right? And getting ready to write. And I mean, I'm sure that people out there, whether it's writing or whatever it is that you kind of, you know, have to prepare for in your day that's important to you, having like a little ritual around your preparation, I think is like, can be extremely helpful. And I'd recommend giving Magic Mind a shot, no pun intended, to see if that could maybe be like a, a really effective part of your little ritual to get your day started or to prepare for whatever kind of creative endeavor you're working towards in your day. Um, and thankfully, Magic Mind has uh, some discounts that are going on right now, actually some pretty substantial discounts right now for the month of January, and especially for our listeners. So, Colin, tell them what they've won. Mm -hmm. yeah, really, so just tell you... them what the discount is, but you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if, you've, uh, if you go to the description and follow the link in the description, which is also magicmind.com slash Jan Soldiers of Cinema. That's J-A-N, like January Soldiers of Cinema. Um, Magic Mind sort of has like a triple whammy deal going on right now, which is that you are going to get a initial discount right off the top um, if you use our code cinema20 that's cinema20 you're going to get an additional discount an additional 20 uh, percent off wow. and then if you subscribe for three months so you can do individual purchases and you can do subscriptions and if you do mm -hmm. a subscription for three months you actually are going to get a free month of subscription so wow. It's kind of like you just keep adding them up and you're, you're, you're golden. So well, definitely recommend checking that out. It's only on to the end of January, so time right. is running out. So Time's if you out. are interested, hurry there. Again, link is in the description with our uh, discount code as well. So I would highly recommend checking awesome. it out. And, and that code is Cinema20, as in 20, not the yes, word, two but zero. Cinema20, yeah. Cinema20. Awesome. Let's start with our personal experiences of the film. Yeah, I, yeah. And I was, you know, as always, I, I'm especially interested. You know, I was 12 when the film was released. Uh, I didn't see it at the theaters. I wouldn't have been interested to see this at the theater, even if I was able to go. So I don't think it would be my, my, honestly, I, I, I probably saw it before my first, like my memory of it, but my memory of it is having seen it um, on VHS in college. Mm -hmm. It's likely that I saw it before that. But my memory of it is maybe seeing it around 95, 96. 
right. okay? Um, but let's, I'm really curious before I dive into that to hear about, you know, as someone who's a total generation younger than me, mm-hmm. like your first experience watching it. And, and well, yeah, this, and this, then, this film yeah. came out almost exactly 10 years before I was born. I was born in July of 98, and this is I'm so August old. of 88. <laughs> so um, old. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Or um, you're so young. I'm not so and, old. You're so young. And, well, I'm starting to feel. I pulled my back the other day, and I felt like an old man. So. Oh, man. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I uh, you know, I grew up in a, you know, a not very religious household at all. Um, didn't know much about Christianity or any religion for that matter, but definitely, you know, I, I celebrated christian holidays like christmas mm-hmm. and easter and things like that but more so as a cultural thing than a, yeah than like a, a secular one. celebration yeah yeah never never went to church as a kid and things like that so right so very much a secular household grew up without knowing much about it um to the point that i would have struggled to recount really any of any details about the story of like jesus about right. you know the bible and things like that um i remember when i was in middle school or early high school i can't remember which i did read uh, a bit a large portion of the bible but i also read a large portion of the quran because i was just very mm-hmm. curious about yeah. those things and totally so um so i knew you know the sort of academic sense of of the word of like theology and things like that but but again never right. really got into the like cultural spiritual level of it right. um and the first time i saw this movie i i it really you know it didn't now how old were you what's the setting I, like what's I, the literal I can't setting? remember i was probably i think i was uh, must have been the year after i graduated high school if i can remember okay. correctly so so you're like so 18 20, 19 2016 20. or 2017 yeah okay yeah. And um, what 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 was the impetus? I'm curious. Like, what? How did you like? Why did you come to the movie? Why did you seek it out? It was. I like, think I was just. I think I might have just been going through Scorsese's uh, okay. filmography. Honestly, sure. I think I, I I don't I don't know if I ever. I always um, saw it. Like, it has a very distinctive poster, and I always knew the movie, and I knew about the, the poster is fantastic, like that. by the way. Um, and I always, but it was also one of those ones where I was kind of like. Seems like an odd choice for Scorsese, um, you know, because oh, really? he's known okay, as, as could, gangster okay. flicks and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and it wasn't that. like yep, I didn't, yep. you know, I knew that he had, had wanted to do the, the, you know, enter the priesthood as a kid and things like that. And so I was aware of his his faith, but I always just mm-hmm. like my assumption about the movie um, was that it was sort of like a biblical epic or like a passion ah. of the Christ. Like it was a very or religious like, like the Ten of, Commandments with. Yeah, yeah. I just something. I never yeah. really I was always kind of like kind of odd for for him to you know give right. his other filmography and then i watched it and um again it didn't it's not like it converted me but it, what it did do was it made me much more curious to look into and much more connected i think to this story as as like a level of how impactful it has been on uh the scale of like humanity mm-hmm. um than i've ever been before you know and, yeah. and thinking about the way that this movie presents these these usually very very again when i say the word biblical i mean like this epic story of like the sermon on the mount or you know the it's kind of hard to relate to maybe like yeah you're kind of like you hear these things and it's like it sounds like a fairy tale yeah whereas this movie grounded it and Ah. and really made these these historical kind of moments much more palatable and relatable and grounded and and, and accessible almost yeah. for someone who wasn't religious um, now and now so, from, yeah. i'm curious yeah so i'm curious a couple things um when when you first saw this film you're maybe 19 20 years old or so i mean were you aware of any of the controversy that was surrounding it on its release yes. when you yeah. saw it? okay so you did kind of have an idea like oh this this film is a little controversial it's mm-hmm. been banned in some places it was boycotted it was kind of a lot was kind of going on uh, mm-hmm. in in this country and around the world when it was released. Did that imp- did that impact at all? Like, were well, you like, it's actually curious, funny because one of the reasons I, I I knew about all that stuff was um, so one of the production companies, or I don't know if they I don't know if they financed it or if they just distributed it, but it's Cineplex Odeon, um, mm-hmm. which is probably a name that like nobody knows outside of Canada, and also you've probably <laughs> never seen it on any other movie, but Cineplex Odeon is a th- movie theater chain here. Okay. Like, Cineplex is our is basically our AMC in Canada. It's like the big okay. theater chain. Yeah. And so it's always funny to me that, like, this, it would be like, you know, AMC theaters 
presents this movie. Um, right. And so that was one of the reasons, because I was always ah. like, well, why, why did Cineplex, a Canadian movie theater chain, finance this Scorsese movie when he was very much a well-established director yeah. at that point? Like, it's not like yeah. he was scrounging around for, for, for sure. you know, a beginner I mean, he filmmaker. Just, he had just released Color of Money a couple years yeah. earlier, but of course, you know, I mean, I love After Hours. I think that film's fantastic. I love, yeah, After Hours, yeah. King of Comedy is actually great, too, but I don't think it was a huge commercial success. But no, Raging yeah, Bull, yeah. Taxi Drive. Yeah, so, I mean, he's an established director. And so you're like, oh, this is, I'm curious. Like, yeah, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, and so and so I think that that sort of made me look into it. And, and yeah, um, it also was like always kind of like a cultural conversation. Just I think most people who are like into movies and filmmaking and things it comes like that up. just kind of hear about these stories about like controversial releases and it's like for this sure. And, you know now now you talked a lot about kind of you know how it it, it maybe made some of these religious stories uh, relatable. But do you, do you have any recollections kind of just like taking the film just on its own, like just the what's yeah no there? I mean the, the style and the the. Um, I remember the style and the score, I think, are the two things that stood out to me the most yeah. in terms of style, meaning like the way that they chose to um, present these characters as con like with contemporary accents, with with like speech patterns that weren't mm. Shakespearean or classical or or like theatrical, but rather, you know, street, it's just with street their language. street. Exactly. With what yeah. with like Harvey Keitel is speaking like Harvey Keitel. Defoe is speaking <laughs> like Defoe. Um, yeah. And I thought that that was really fascinating to me, especially after having been through a, you know, a, a quite intensive drama. I've mentioned this many times, but like my high school, I went to a drama high, high school for drama. And so I was doing theater every day fame. for four years and you, you were and, like fame i just imagine you like that have you seen fame yes right? yeah, I, yeah 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 <laughs> now the original i don't know about this yeah. remake i've not seen the remake but i, I just imagine every either. time you say that that's what i imagine colin yeah i no, imagine exactly. you like dancing like like you and your classmates like dancing down the stairwell yeah. and like yeah. jumping on the hoods of cars that's and exactly. like you, like you, i just you, like i literally hear like well specifically in 1982 we would Go back. Do you in want time to learn to how to fly? Just to, <laughs> just to do it. But no, yeah. it was so. I I had been really exposed to you know, a lot of theater and done a lot of theater, and I always found that, or at least when I first watched the movie, and I still think this that that it felt very, um, presented in a a theatrical like that feel that choice itself feels to me like very much a choice that you would see in like a theatrical production of this show mm. where it's like ooh they're actually all speaking in their regular voices like that's what makes it interesting i remember <laughs> like we it did was like Macbeth, performance um, art almost when, like it's almost like yeah. performative well, like it's when almost... i was when i was there we did <laughs> Macbeth and we set it in um afghanistan and so it was mm. like all about like ptsd and and like we yeah. all had you know Okay. Contemporary military. And so it was like that kind of thing. That was, was what like, was oh, in you're, your you're, mind. You're kind of grounding this story in in a, a modern way. And, um, yeah. you know, I thought that was very fascinating. I thought it was really, you know, again, even just the the scaled back element of production where, where you just, you don't have these grand sweeping epics with matte paintings and, and you don't see like Jerusalem as this beautiful establishing shot of 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 the world and like you think of something right. like gladiator or something like you know <laughs> yeah. like um the sand and or, sandal or epics yeah 10 commandments yeah you know and and um i thought that was also really really interesting and at the time i don't think i realized quite the extent that scorsese was just working within his means i was assuming that these were which you know partially they are active choices but but i i, I didn't realize how much of this yeah. stuff he was kind of forced into yeah. Um, and you know, I, I'm, we'll get into, I think the details of that in a yeah. bit, because there's some really interesting, um, specific events that I think make this movie really fantastic. But first I want to hear about, you know, yeah. what, what your take My, was and you know, how you sure, kinda, sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I remember the first time I watched it, but, but the first time I do remember watching it was in college and it actually, um, uh, you know, a uh, roommate that I was living with at the time. And again, I think I was like a junior or senior in college. And this is my first memory of it. And um, we rented the film on VHS. We watched it at home. And so it's like pan and scan, you know, four three yeah. Yeah. on a, on a CRT TV. Um, and, and, you know, I, I remember, you know, 
I, I had I definitely heard about the controversies that existed around the film. And unlike you, you know, I had grown up uh, in a household where, you know, I, I was attending church um, uh, because of the, you know, because of my mother, like three times a week. So it's like twice wow. on Sunday and once on Wednesday. Now, not Catholic, so different uh, denomination or different kind of sect than Scorsese was coming from as a Roman Catholic. And I don't want to like speak for him or erroneously represent this. I'm not sure if he's practicing or or what his faith or belief is, but I think he was raised in that um, mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. Roman Catholic. But uh, but for me, I was raised Protestant, and so some differences there. But I'm not a, a a religious scholar, so I couldn't like articulate all those differences to anyone. But yeah, so a little bit of a difference, you know, that I was raised um, going to attending to church, and uh, so I was kind of really curious to see because I had heard of that uh, controversy to see what it was all about. Uh, honestly, it was almost more of like, I, I, I'm i really curious to see how the stories, this biblical story and the story of Jesus is going to be represented in this film. Um, so I was kind of, you know, rebelling a little bit against that religious upbringing myself. So I was like, ooh, this is, this could be, this is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I remember feeling like really quite blown away by the film, honestly. I was really it, it it was and I think similar to what you were saying that it 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 made a lot of ideas that are represented or maybe hinted at or you know it made a lot of ideas kind of come alive to me um in kind of accentuating the the human aspect of Jesus in this story and the intimate you talk about the scale of this film being so small and and it really is I mean it's you know forget you know it's it's shot in, I think like one eight five or one seven eight instead of some two three five or two three nine. There's almost no like huge establishing landscape shots. Everything is very tight. It's like mediums. I mean, it's almost I'd call it like shot for TV almost. You know, mm-hmm. well, kind um, of like in a psycho way where it's like it's such a the means were available and that's what they used. That's right? what they did. But I think yeah. it works. I mean, but honestly, I think if they had the money, if they would have gone bigger, it would have done a disservice to the film. Because mm-hmm. that's what this film is, is an intimate human portrait. Now, I, and it's, you know, I don't want to get into kind of a discussion of is this, you know, blasphemy or is this appropriate or anything like that. I, you know, it's, um, I think Scorsese has the right as an artist for his voice, for him to, for him to speak through his film. Mm-hmm. And people have the right to watch it or don't watch it or agree or don't agree. Um, but I really appreciated his take on it personally mm-hmm. um, and to really almost kind of make it more of a, a story about a man trying to transcend his inherent, you know, uh, flawed humanity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the struggle that I think we all or most most of us have, unless I guess you're a psychopath, to try to be good human beings in life um, in spite of our inherent flaws. Mm-hmm. and shortcomings so that mm-hmm. really spoke to me and and i was really impressed with that i thought willem defoe's performance was outstanding I, I remember very specifically being really impressed with that um and and some of these things are done so simply but impactful i mean i still remember watching the film and this this the scene where uh jesus is out in the desert and he's drawn the circle around himself in the mm-hmm. sand and he's fasting out there alone and he has the serpent come to him and the lion come to him and the pillar of flame come to him. How simply done that all is. I mm-hmm. mean, it's so simply done. It's just a picture of, it's just an image of an animal and a voiceover. Yeah. But I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. So I, I was really struck by that. Um, and I think uh, in the end where we have this, you know, as Jesus is up on the cross and he's visited by this this like uh this young girl who tries or the you know i guess it's a satan in the represented as a young girl if i'm mm-hmm. not mistaken who tries to tempt him to come down off the cross and we yeah. have this whole little like section here now where it's like you kind of think it's going to be the end he's on the cross right he's dying and then we have this whole little like dreamlike moment where he's living his life as a human well it's the last and temptation right that's, it's the that's, last temptation yeah. yes 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 and it's like but it was just and i i just felt like that was so beautiful i thought that mm-hmm. was really beautifully done um so I, I was really impressed by the film i enjoyed it and it made me think um now i i don't think i've actually seen it though 
since then until now. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I I've even owned it. I, I watched the Criterion Collection. I've got the Blu-ray and I've had it for years. And this is the first time I've actually cracked it out of the cracked it open out of the library and popped it in and watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there was something inside of me that was like, I want to revisit this and I want to talk about it for this episode. So uh, so there you have it. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, like the I want to kind of talk about scale too, just real quick. We've touched on it a few times, but. I mean, even the fact that they couldn't afford a crane for the film. Right. So they just had a jib, I think, that's, I think it's like, they could go eight feet up. Yeah, which seven isn't, or eight Which feet. is not, you know, like, I. that's, for people who perhaps aren't familiar with, like, what these things are, like, a jib is basically just a little arm that you put on a tripod, and, like, I have an eight-foot jib. Like, that's how yeah. low budget this is in terms of, I mean, of course, they had $7 million, well, but the vast majority of that money would have gone to to locations and actors feeding and, and housing like that, right? cast and crew yeah i exactly. mean it was shot it was shot in morocco seven million dollars even yeah. in 88 this is almost nothing yeah um yeah. and uh, so yeah tiny budget but again i think it it actually really helps the film well and I, I think i think one of the moments that i wanted to point out um specifically that i think really encapsulates why that works so well is the sermon on the mount which mm-hmm. even as someone who's not religious, who's not, wasn't raised religious, who didn't really know the full story, you hear about that and you kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's told to you in this grand way. Where yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, there was, there was crowds of people listening to Jesus, you know, preach his first time. And Well, there's and a reason about, why you use the word biblical to describe yeah, something as well, huge. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and it becomes yeah. this very, it becomes this very untouchable yeah. kind of on inaccessible story. Totally. Whereas I remember, and I remember there, there's a point in the commentary for this where Scorsese talks about the fact that he was kind of like not embarrassed, but like almost ashamed to be doing this movie at such a low level because he was like, this isn't the Sermon on the Mount. This is a, this is like, a, there's like yeah. 12 people here. It's like 12 and, people and like, here. what is this? And then Bauhaus, <laughs> Michael Bauhaus, the cinematographer, who I think does brilliant work throughout this movie, yeah. um, said to Scorsese, he's like, well, this is probably what it was like. You know, it probably was like 12 people who just by word of mouth passed on. And, and over 2,000 years, obviously, this story yeah. is going to take on a new life and take on grand elements that probably weren't really accurate to the time. And and, and I find that that kind of is the essence of the film to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's like you think about Defoe as, as, as Jesus Christ, you know? It's like arguably the, the most well-known name in human history. At and, least in Western um, culture. At least, de- yeah. yeah, definitely in Western culture. Um, and and yet, you've got him portraying this character not as, you know, you, we, we've seen plenty of films that try to humanize Jesus in a way where it's like, oh, he's a flawed guy, and, and then, and then he, he rises above that and becomes the Messiah. But this movie never really does that. There is mm. clear conflict in that character. Yeah. Um, Throughout the entire time, which I think, again, probably was quite accurate to the real historical figure that Jesus was, you know, that that you've got this this person who dances, who drinks, who who is is not a party animal, but is 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 a man of the times and, and of the circumstance that he's in and what he what he existed in. And I think to remove the figure, the religious figure from that. Um, as so many movies do, and to put that person on a pedestal kind of defeats what I think the purpose of that story is ultimately, which is that we are all, you know, that, that that's supposed to be a representation of, of humanity. And I think that if you remove that, you kind of lose that. Whereas I think Scorsese did a brilliant job of taking what he clearly believes very strongly in, um, as a as a Roman Catholic, and, and he talks about that is that you know his his main goal for making the film also he he describes it as wanting to get to know Jesus better, which yeah. I think is, is interesting. Well, I think that's um, the key. That's the yeah, key. and it's like, and I think that that which is, is exactly the... what he's done is he's he's humanized this character and, and grounded him and made it something that you can relate to and, and experience alongside these stories that we've all heard, but we've never really taken into account like what. What would it have been like from an accurate historical perspective? Well, and I, I, I will, I would, I would disagree with you a little bit on this accurate historical thing. I, I, in mm, other mm. words, maybe not. Maybe disagree is is, is a strong word. I, I would say it doesn't matter. Yes, because I don't yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. happening here. I, this is not a documentary. We're not trying to like 
uh, understand what it happened in real life. Because no, yeah, no it's way, not a Ken no way Burns. To, yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. way to know what. In my estimation, again, it's like I'm not Scorsese. I'm not speaking for him. But but the sense that I get through watching the film, through experiencing his work, and through hearing some of the things he said about it is and you you actually nailed this is that you know when he asked why he why why did when he was asked why did he want to make the film he said because i wanted to get to know jesus better i think what's happening here is what i love about good cinema mm. and and that is this i think one of the big differences between really great art and mediocre art or even propaganda or didactic works that masquerade as art is this and that is that the artist is asking questions that mm -hmm. they don't already know the answer to in good art. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. I think you see someone who is earnest, who is honest, who is genuine, who is n by no means trying to offend or criticize, um, but he's trying to understand. He's asking questions and exploring ideas about yeah. something that's deeply important to him, that's deeply personal to him, and this is an exploration, and he doesn't know the answers. And that, I think, is, this is a really great example of that. And I, you know, we see a lot of films where you know from the get-go that the creators of that film, you know, the prime creative movers, the director, the writer, they knew exactly what they wanted to go from mm -hmm. the very mm -hmm. beginning. Like, I have this to say about this, and I'm going to show you, you should think that way too. Mm -hmm. I can't stand that mm -hmm. kind of work. It's nauseating to me. Um, which isn't to say that they didn't have a script and they didn't know the story that they wanted to tell. Yeah, or but even that they that, didn't have a point of but view. The, but, but, the, yeah. but the, and they, Right, and it's not to say they didn't have a point of view, but it's to say, we're here to ask questions. This is an exploration. The process yeah. of the creation of this film is an exploration, and we're just asking questions, and we want you to go along with, uh, we want, you know, and maybe you have these questions too. Maybe well, you've wondered this too. And so, you know, that's, to me, this is a really wonderful example of that it, through cinema, it would be something I would strive for mm -hmm. in my work, ideally, you know, whatever the subject matter is a yeah. goal of mine. Um, so that I think is what's, that's my take on what's happening here. Um, and and uh, obviously that was offensive to some people at the time and probably still to this day, because they're coming at it from a perspective of this is taboo. You should not be asking these questions. Yeah. I, yeah. I disagree with that in every possible way. I think that you should always be able to ask questions. And I think that an artist always has the right to express their voice. Uh, you may you may decide not to listen to it or attend it or pay money mm -hmm. to see it or support it or whatever. Um, but so I feel pretty strongly about that. Well, I do. I want to I want to go on a tangent real quick, too that is directly related to what you just said about asking questions, things like that. And I think, so I want to talk more about, um, the, the, the actors voices and why they yeah. chose. So, but before we do that, before we get into that, I, I want to just briefly say that the reason that they keep citing, uh, in the commentary and, and Schrader talks about this a lot and, and Scorsese mm -hmm. talks about it a lot is that like, it's not so so when these characters are having these arguments on screen when 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 Judas and Jesus are are having a a, a fight about what what is it that they're trying to do that they're speaking in contemporary accents and contemporary language they're not saying right. be thou you know whatever yeah they're speaking in contemporary because that is that is how it would have sounded at the time to somebody who spoke to them. those languages to them. yeah and yeah. and they keep talking about this idea that it's not that you're watching it on screen it's that you're sitting in an audience and these characters are sitting beside you arguing with you right they're, they're having these conversations with you're you there. in a language that you can understand and yeah. a vernacular that you can understand and right. i felt very vindicated hearing that because like you said like you replicating that kind of thing in your work like i this the, the second narrative feature film that i've been writing is something that really how i've had a lot of struggle with I've, I've really been it's really been a challenge to to um you know get it on paper and to figure out like what is it that i want to say with it and i'm not going to go into detail about what it's about mm. and things like that but mm -hmm. one of the reasons for that is because it can kind of be a little bit frightening to mm. think that you know like well i want to i want to put something controversial on the page and on the mm. screen but not for the sake of controversy right it's controversial on its own 
because it's hard as, an, as because another it's thing difficult. because it's the taboo yeah. conversation that you want to yeah. have and it's kind of tough to to pitch you know i've 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 been talking to to producers and things like that and 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 uh um production companies and it's kind of tough to pitch something as this isn't I, there, there is no master thesis here. I want to yeah. have a conversation <laughs> with the audience. I want, yeah. I want the audience to come out of this movie questioning things about themselves and, yeah. and not, and again, not in a way that's just, you know, controversial or, or, um, uh, for evocative for, for like that, the, the own sake of being controversial, because I think that's kind of boring that at that point, yeah. you're just basically trolling essentially sure yeah essentially rather correct rather to to actually get people to kind of think about like the choices that they've made how they live their lives things like that and that's a really tough thing to do yeah it's and it's a kind of a frightening thing to do because you never know how people are going to (laughs) react to being challenged like that and so i think that being able to hear scorsese and schrader um talk about the way that they went about this film and the reason they made those choices and and yet being able to see a movie like this that has that where it works so well and it works so perfectly and profoundly Mm. um that in a way sort of vindicated me and really Mm. has made me as someone who not only you know watches films and loves watching films but also makes them much Mm -hmm. more confident about those choices that i can make those choices that i can do that that i can put into words how I want an audience to react and what I'm actually aiming for and the questions I want to ask mm-hmm. rather than, like you said, coming at it with, with you know, a found solution that I'm right. going to be imprinting on people. You know, it's, yeah. and I think that that is a much more interesting way to, and I think that, you know, honestly, like I, I it's not good that Scorsese had to walk around with bodyguards for, for years after good. this. But no. at the same time, I think that is also that proves how much meaning and power art has, right? That it, ha- that it caused this controversy, that it, that it, <laughs> I that get, it yeah. started these conversations, so. that, that you have this, yeah. you know, the largest religion in the world, 2,000 years old, these stories that are, that are, that penetrate each and every, you know, aspect well, it might of, not of be the Western largest, life. It might not right? be the largest religion in the world. Not that, not that it matters to your conversation, but I'm not yeah. quite sure. But there may be other religions that technically are larger than Christianity. But I think, I'm not I think an it is still the, the, like, by numbers, I think it still is. I think it's getting close. It's it's almost neck and neck between Islam and Christianity at this Ooh. point. But You know but, what? Um, I, I, hey, hey, I stand corrected. Colin, I'm so sorry. I know I stand oh. corrected. Not that this is a podcast about religion, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think that at least according to 2020 uh, uh, Pew Research review, I, I think you're right. I, I think that Christianity is the largest religion in the world. So I yeah, stand and, corrected. And so, you're, so right. That's, you're right. That's yeah. what I mean, though, is that it's like you've got you've got to be able to ask these questions. And I, and I think that also it's not just a matter, I think, like I, I don't want to come off as someone who's saying that like, you know, all the religious people that reacted that way are, are, are like bad and they don't, because I'm, right. I'm sure that there are a lot of religious scholars, that there are a lot of people who are deeply religious who find this film very fascinating and, and find I would this imagine, film yeah. as, as something that's like really, really, you know, the, I think that the most interesting aspects of religion are the ones that kind of turn well, inward in a way. You know, you, and, you, 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 I want to, I want to mention something here. I, I want to talk about, um, cause I think this is a, this is like a great point to interject this. Um, you know, so when I was a kid, I used to love watching Sis. I watched Siskel and Ebert. You know, they used mm-hmm, to have these mm-hmm. are these are. If you're younger, I mean, I know you know who they are, but if you're younger, you know, Siskel and Ebert were two uh, critics that used to have a TV show where they would. And it this would this is my first um, exposure to film criticism when I was a kid was Siskel and Ebert on TV. I think it was like was it Cisco and Ebert at the movies? I think was the name of the show. Yes, I'm probably yeah, gonna get this yeah. wrong. Okay. I think I think that was at, it. Yeah. And so this was actually before you know because I what am I eight nine years old? I'm not reading you know, <laughs> I'm not reading like reviews in you know the Atlantic or something back then, yeah, right? Yeah. Um. So this was my first exposure, but I think this speaks to kind of what you were just talking about. Um, I, you know, uh, so I want to kind of read a little bit of an excerpt of their thoughts at the time in 88 about this film. Um, and, and just as a little more background, not that it really matters, but just for funsies, I, I tended to always kind of, not always, I tended to agree much more with Ebert than I did with Siskel. And they mm-hmm. often, you know, uh, clashed hugely on the movies they liked and didn't like on this film. They're, they're both in agreement. They mm-hmm. both liked the film quite a bit. 
But I want to just read a little excerpt from what Ebert had to say about this film. He said, back in 88, on the show, This movie made me think more deeply and more seriously, and for a longer time, I mean, I'm still thinking about it, about the mystery of the fact that Jesus was both God and man. At least within the Christian teachings, that's what he was. More than any other film I have ever seen, or at any other time in my life, did I really confront that, that he was God and he was man. He had all the weaknesses of man as well as all the strengths of God. This movie is a devout movie that does Jesus the compliment of taking him more seriously than any other movie ever made. So it's an ironic contradiction that people who worship Jesus and who haven't seen the film are attacking this film, which is actually more of a religious experience than any other movie. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a that's a pretty powerful statement about a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I mean that's Ebert and and Siskel had pretty similar thoughts too at the time. Um, but it also, I feel like it almost speaks a little bit to our experience, right? I mean, we may not be practicing Christians or have different beliefs, or maybe we have the same beliefs. I don't want to, uh, assume anything for you, mm-hmm. but, um, but I feel like this film more than any I've seen, it, it does something to convey this fundamental aspect of the duality of humanity, of our, yeah, yeah. of our need to strive for an ideal well of being better and so and I, you know what i think it does that is that i think one of the really key aspects to that is schrader's approach to it now schrader again the, one of the interesting factors about this is that well let's um, give a little background let's is give that a so the background. author of the book um uh god i'm gonna butcher it's okay uh, do your best um i've got to read it i can't <laughs> okay so nikos kazantzakis I'm okay. Gonna he, guess now he that wrote, that's, he wrote that's, the book, right? So, so he wrote so the book, and he's a Greek Orthodox. In '55, um, actually. Yeah. So the 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 novel had been around for a long time. It was written in '55, yeah. and, uh, um, and then Paul Schrader, Schrader is Dutch Calvinist. Calvinist. And he wrote the script, um, and then yep. and he wrote the screenplay, the initial kind of the screenplay, yeah. which was later adjusted by um, Scorsese and. Uh, um, I can't oh remember. no! I'm blanking all over the place <laughs> it's um, okay we'll dig it up later but 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 and, and, uh but and then and so you've got schrader and then you've got scorsese who's a roman catholic right so you've got these three right. different interpretations of yeah. this story um yeah. and i find that schrader's interpretation fascinates me a lot because schrader looks mm. at this story not as an insider, but almost as an outsider, despite the fact that he's Dutch Calvinist, mm-hmm. looks at it like, and he, he specifically says, you know, I wanted to treat, not in a, in a like demeaning way, but I wanted to treat Christianity kind of as like, I'm, I'm looking at this blood cult because that's ultimately, yeah. you know, it's, 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 he, a direct quote from him is that it's a, it's, it's a blood cult where the blood is still drank weekly, but you don't have to kill for it. But ultimately, right. you know, you're drinking the wine that is representative of the blood of Christ. Right. Like that's, that would be considered by, you know, if we were to take an anthropological look at, at like history, that's, that's what that is technically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you look at it that way, when you remove the kind of veneer of like a a personal bias or affiliation, and you can actually look at these things and kind of put them in the context of what they are and what they were at the time, I find that deeply, deeply fascinating because then what you can do is you can explore the 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 kind of foundations of, of what we know Christianity to be and what we know this, this story to be rather than having to worry about representing something that is, you know, you're still representing something that obviously is very meaningful to Scorsese. Right. Um, and he's very, and very others, clear about sure. that. Um but at the same time, you're able to kind of look at it. You're you're almost able to like take yourself out of the box and look at it from the outside, and analyze it and and see, you know, treat these as characters and look at their motivations and understand them as people. You understand, um, uh, again, like the the moment that I think is is just brilliant is the very small scene with Bowie where Bowie plays Pontius Pilate. Pilate is always kind of represented in these stories as like this big 
bad guy who who mm-hmm. like when when is trying Jesus there's you know often it's represented as like almost like a court trial where people are watching and people are like but in reality the 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 the, the likelihood that that was the case is is very small and again like you said earlier it's not just about accuracy that's not what this is about at all yeah it's I don't think this, this film accuracy. this film has no yeah um, this film is not trying to but, approach but rather any of when these, yeah when you look at it that way you just get a much more human story that Pilate probably didn't much like he wasn't offended by Jesus's presence he probably didn't really much care he was probably just a governor of a land and was looking at someone who was a a a like a political criminal essentially and and going well like I mean this is the offense that you've committed and and this is the the punishment for it right like yeah. and i think that that is such an incredibly you know unique but also like ebert said like that brings you to it it does jesus the compliment of taking him seriously right <laughs> like of not representing him as this this I- idyllic messiah but rather as Ooh. as a political criminal <laughs> you know well, like as almost like a revolutionary in a way like that that and i find that that's really really a fascinating way to go about it that you're not looking at it again with with the veneer of it's because i wouldn't really describe this as like a, a it's not like a christian movie right like it's not like a faith movie that you no, see today it's it it's it's it takes itself incredibly seriously it takes it and it takes the subject matter very earnestly um and very authentically and i think that that's its strength is that it's not purporting well, anything it's it, just and exploring I, and and i if i will i mean i think like maybe what you're describing i i, I want to see if this resonates with you because you're talking about like like this authenticity almost and you're you know but i think it's an emotional authenticity yes i think it's yeah. an it, yeah. it is authentic emotionally to our human experience that mm-hmm. exists in all of us right um and this, I think, is what the film's goal is and what it's trying to achieve. So this idea of was this historical person like this or was this historical person like that, I think it doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't matter to, yeah. to me and my interpretation of this. And again, this film wasn't like it, it doesn't even pretend to be like trying to be written from the Bible directly or anything like that. It wasn't. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's written from a book um, that just happens to be exploring uh, Jesus as a story, okay, as a character, um, and using that as a way to try to to ask questions about the human condition mm-hmm, is my mm-hmm. interpretation. Um, no, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And so I think that's what, right, there's an authenticity of emotion that this film elicits that doesn't exist in a lot of these huge biblical epics where we're seeing things from a distance and uh, characters are are not very relatable, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the big successes of this film is that it is emotionally authentic and it speaks to like a really primal, foundational part of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's huge. I mean, I I want to talk a little bit about some of the other, you know, some of the, the I don't know, technical, but just like, you know, as the film as a film. I mean, we talked a little bit about performances. We talked a little bit about Willem Dafoe. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult of a performance this must have been to yeah. give. You yeah. know, like, I mean, wow, you know, there's a lot on your shoulders here. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, even just logistically, I mean, to hear him describe what it was like to be on the cross and, and, to, and to have to film that. Oh, my God. Miserable. Yeah, that was, yeah, Woo. that seems hellish. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just a very vulnerable performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and really wonderful. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy because I hadn't seen the film in so long. You know, I in my mind now, I kind of have like the Green Goblin kind of Willem Dafoe in my head, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, sadly, because of the memes and everything. But I had forgotten that he had given such a wonderful performance in this film back then. Uh, it, it was really amazing. But, it, you know, some fun stuff. It's It's interesting to note that Harvey Keitel, who I love, was actually nominated for a Razzie mm-hmm. <laughs> for his role, and I think and, and I, as Judas. And it's my understanding the reason was probably because of the language thing that you had discussed earlier, mm-hmm. where Paul and and Martin had decided to use uh, street language, like modern, current, uh, contemporary language, mm-hmm. and even so much including like Harvey's accent. You know, it's almost it sounds like he came out of Mean Streets, and he's just here with like a perm 
and mm-hmm. dyed hair, <laughs> you know, dyed hair. And he's in sandals and a robe. And he's like, but he, you know, just pulled from the streets of New York almost. And so I can understand a little bit why, you know, uh, maybe there would have been some hesitancy to kind of accept that. But I think the, he didn't win the Razzie. I think it totally was was uh, BS that he was even nominated for one because I think he's actually quite good here. But uh, I, I, I had forgotten or, you know, just totally missed. So I was super happy to see Harry Dean Stanton's face. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely adore Harry Dean Stanton. Um, there's just something about him that seems so comfortable and and human and vulnerable in his face and in his performances um i don't know if it's like this kind of i don't know what it is there's like a softness to him Uh um that that is always really beautiful david bowie i totally i didn't remember at all that david me neither me neither (laughs) as as pontus i was just like wait a minute what that's david bowie it's my understanding that that was originally going to be Sting, if for whatever mm-hmm. reason that casting had to change. So David Bowie flew in for a day or two and shot this. Um, but I was pretty surprised to see that. I had totally forgotten that. Um, but it's just it, just some interesting uh, some interesting performances, interesting people well, pop up. I Barbara think one Hershey, of the things that, we didn't that, talk uh, about. She's great. Defoe, Defoe mentioned something that's really curious to me, which is about um, the idea that... Uh, he because he's in every scene in the movie and he sort of talks about like the benefit of being you know it seems like it might be a lot to take but in fact his description of it was like well it's actually a lot easier to be in every scene of the movie because then you you don't have to be yeah you don't have to worry that like every moment is going to hit or not because people are ultimately going to look at the whole movie and pull out the best moments Mm -hmm. and think about those whereas if you only have you know two three four five minutes of screen time or one scene or something you've got to really nail that one scene because <laughs> that's all people are going to remember of you. So I thought that that was kind of uh, interesting. But but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a great cast of characters. Again, the... the Like, they, they talk about how they specifically cast the... Um, the uh, disciples, you know, that they're, I think they're primarily like American and Canadian. And then, mm. um, and that they, the reason for that was that they wanted it to feel like you could walk into a bar and have a conversation with these people and that they would mm. be having these conversations. Um, which again is like really fascinating. I can understand sort of the, the um, reaction to, you know, a general audience of, of sort of saying like, well, this is kind of weird. Like, why are they talking like this? But I think it really works at, yeah. uh, on a whole. Like I can, I can get the confusion, uh-huh. but I think once you buy into it, it, it absolutely. It didn't um, bother me at all. It didn't. No, it didn't. Honestly, not, it didn't, didn't bother me, me either, but I, I just, I understand why people would sort of say like, well, sure. why is he speaking in a New York accent if they're in Judea? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, yeah. And, and I think it's because, you know, my exposure to those like uh, more traditional biblical epics are pretty, is pretty much non-existent. I mean, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. don't have a history of having seen a lot of that. So I yeah. think I, co- I come into this and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'm open. Yeah. I'm right on, you know, uh, no problem at all for me. Um, yeah, and I want, I, I want to also I briefly want to touch on too because I I last summer went all over Morocco. Um, I went all over a bunch of different places, but I, I drove like the entire country. So one thing that's yeah, really amazing, uh, incredible to me about watching this is that, um, you know, I, I think like I want to say ninety percent of the locations in this film I went to, um, not even intentionally. I just saw so much of the country, but uh, yeah, I think that one part that is really neat is that they talk about how um outside of Meknes there's that it almost is alpine like it almost there's like these huge trees and that's where they film mm. the sequence of 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 the last temptation of him and that ah, wooded where house it gets and, so green and morocco yeah. is such a fascinating place because you can drive for 20 minutes and you can be in the sahara desert in in you know one second and then you know 50 kilometers away suddenly you're in a place that looks like Cal- the california redwoods and mm. it's a really deeply um like geographically interesting um, country. And not only that, but I think that that also, you know, that probably explains why this and so many films have been shot there. Um, But there's also such incredible, uh, um, you know, architecture from thousands of years ago. Um, You know, there's one place called Ait Benadu, 
um, mm. which is where they shoot they shot a lot of like the market scenes and, and well, we like, don't get to see re- a lot of that in this yeah film, anything that basically you know? requires kind of like an old city i know they, they shot a lot of um like game of thrones and gladiator and and lawrence arabia there as well um and there's just some really really beautiful like i i actually not to get off on you know some random stream of thought but i when i was there it was it was like sundown and so there was nobody in this entire like hill of of these ancient houses and huts and mud you know structures um and so i was literally just walking the streets of this place like completely alone it was really really mm. incredible like it felt you know, like so I'm, okay so since you've time. been there i i, I want to ask okay since you've been there mm-hmm. and you talk about this architecture this ancient architecture is beautiful i mean we see almost none of that in this film yeah it's very it's used very sparingly i mean that that's the thing is like it, it and i don't know if that, again that could have been a i suppose a lot of this story as well takes place out in in the desert and that's kind of the idea is isolation and and i mean we um, see adobe walls and that's about yeah, it yeah i mean we we don't even hardly see a building it's in it well even entirety. like jerusalem is just really the 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 temple like that's really yeah, all yeah, that yeah. that's there and and just these tight interiors i mean we yeah. we have no idea of scope or scale yeah we have and, I, yeah yeah no uh, and so i think that it's 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 fascinating um choice wise i think again it was likely a matter of um you know they talk about how they just didn't have the money to shoot like establishing shots they didn't have the mm-hmm. money to shoot these like sweeping vistas of of sites and and i think that again that also makes it a lot more um uh approachable and and grounded because you've got this element of non like this these locations wouldn't have been special to these characters right they wouldn't have been um they wouldn't have been anything but cities you know you well know, i think it would have yeah I, as we discussed i mean i think it would have taken the focus away from the intimacy that I yes. mean, it would have definitely yeah, yeah. changed that level of intimacy which i think is so vital for the story that they're telling here for sure yeah. and i think yeah. and it's it's the exact reason you know the vice versa in these epics is that they are trying to show grandeur they are mm-hmm. trying to show the divine and you lose sort of the human element when you do you that. lose the right and so i yeah. think that's that's exactly what they said that the goal was here to accentuate the human and mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. and i think you know had they had twice three times four times the budget if anything, it might have tempted them to do things that might have actually distracted from that. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So, I, you know, something we hadn't touched on here, but I want to. And sometimes, sadly, we give this like a little, you know, we don't give it as much time maybe as we should, mm-hmm. which is by no means to say that it isn't a, a vital part of the film. And that's the score. Yeah. And yeah. Peter Gabriel uh, does the score here for this film. And I am fascinated by it. I uh, am an, like especially a fan of Peter Gabriel's work at about this time, and I think it works so wonderfully here. You talk about you know kind of contemporary language in an ancient story, and I think here you have kind of the mirroring of that with mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. like traditional older instrumentation with modern rhythmic or melodic application. Mm-hmm. is i think super effective it's like i mean it's it's surreal in places it's like um it's just really ephemeral in places it's compelling and driving in other places i feel like it's a really extremely effective score i was curious like what what were your thoughts like what's your impression on that i really oh i love it. it i mean i think that it's also really like a brave choice to not use something classical in in this kind of yeah. context and and um it's very new age i like peter peter gabriel a lot period um i find that just the the uh it is it's like it's one of these things in, in filmmaking that I really, really like when a director, you know, is uses music perhaps that's more appropriate to the emotion of the moment rather than the setting. Um and I, yeah. I like I remember I got I was like made fun of because I made a movie in um in uh grade 11 or something a short film and um it was set in the 60s it was like andy warhol and the factory girls and things like that and then i remember i ended the film with a phil collins song and i was like Uh really which one which one 
Which I think song? it was in the air tonight. It was in the air tonight. Oh, and, nice. And um, it just Great really song. hit, and it worked for the the moment, and it worked for the, the, the <laughs> now, mood, did you and get everyone that was cleared? like, what did was that? Did you get that cleared? Did you have, did you no, have no, rights no, no, no. It was just for a student <laughs> film festival, so... <laughs> I had to pay. Yes, I paid ten grand for the. Okay, all right. <laughs> but good, no, good, the good. um, and I found it really interesting because I, I remember a lot of people said to me they were like, "Well, why'd you use that? That's not a '60s song." <laughs> right, like, well, that's right, not the right. point. I don't really oh, care. Oh my gosh! But then I well, think that I mean, that's something that a lot of people probably thought at the time too about this, where it's like, "Hang on, why well, are there like?" Uh, I mean, you know, maybe not too much because yeah, I think you yeah. know there there is definitely the flavor, right? There's the instrumentation. Oh yes, think, he uses a lot of like geographic kind of. You but know, it's it's yeah. and and it's just to put in some time too, in order to kind of put it in context of time. I mean, you got to remember, like back in the mid late '80s, I mean, Peter Gabriel was one of the biggest artist music musical artists around. I mean, yeah, yeah. this is like the era of you know Sledgehammer um huge hits big on mtv yeah they um, i guess they wanted when, when did genesis break up uh boy now like you've asked me a question i don't know the answer to yeah. uh yeah it, it's yeah i'm not i think uh boy yeah i don't know i i'm not quite sure but i do know that his solo career was really starting to take off around yeah. like 85 or so yeah um if i'm not mistaken i, I yeah i'm not quite sure um but his career really started to get big. I mean, it had to have been even earlier, right? Because in 82, didn't he have the hit Shock the Monkey? Because that was one of the first oh, big hits yes, in good the point. US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was in 82. So I don't know if he was still working. I don't know if he was still Yeah, so for a, the better part of a decade, he'd been establishing himself as a as a. Yeah, cause, so he had let... Okay, yeah. yeah so I... Because I, I... Yeah, I... Boy, you, I'm definitely wrong person to ask about the history of Genesis. <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. Um, but I mean, he was really a huge artist at the time. So to lend his weight to this, but it was like really in line with a lot of the things he was exploring at the time mm -hmm. with the instrumentation and, and world music and things like this and the rhythms he was exploring. So I, I, it's a really interesting, uh, match here. And uh, yeah, and it, it, I mean, it works really well. That moment when, when they kind of do the riot at the temple. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And I can't remember what the I'm not, I'm not gonna remember what the name of the song and the soundtrack is, but the music there as they as they approach is so. Uh, there's just so many like layers to it. It's it's really really you know it's it's again it's like part new age, but it's also using a lot of like it's you know music Middle Eastern and, Arabian kind of yeah. uh, instrumentation with like really interesting vocalization that Gabriel did himself with a few other uh, you know singers. Um, so it's a really incredible blend like it's a great soundtrack on its own just to listen to um which i you know i'm i'm huge on movie soundtracks so i'm always surprised that we don't spend more time talking. i think it's mostly just because i don't know much about music as a like technical yeah, topic that's so fair. i'm always kind of hesitant to get into it but uh, but i yeah. love like soundtracks are, are a big kind of side hobby of mine i i listen to a lot of them and and, and have my favorites and things like that so um no i think that this is again it's not it would be so easy to kind of fall into just doing something that's sort of classical or just doing something that's like stereotypically you know middle eastern sounding and right. and kind of and just doing it that way but rather i think it kind of is sort of like almost like a transcendent almost psychedelic score in a lot of ways um okay and, yeah which kind of that. makes sense because i also think that it's the, kind of a psychedelic movie in, in yeah some well ways, that, that's what yeah. i was gonna say too is that like schrader's whole idea of like communicating with god probably was a huge headache and that was like the first idea that he had <laughs> right it's like a migraine play. yeah yeah and that's yeah. how it opens i mean it opens with him having a terrible a terrible headache and right. and uh and then going from that to you know even the hallucinations in the desert that Scorsese has a really interesting comment about that where it's like yeah after spending forty days not eating or not drinking in the desert oh you're, you're gonna probably, see some stuff you know the, the lion <laughs> that walks see... by is probably gonna talk to you, you know? yeah like, yeah yeah and so it's really Absolutely. it really is kind of like there's a lot of psychedelia which I think is a really fascinating and also very introspective kind of way to look yeah. at these stories and I think that that's very very fascinating something that i love about it um, and i think that that's another reason the score works super well um it's because it really embraces all that stuff now i don't know what the conversations gabriel and scorsese had about like if scorsese gave him direction on that or, or yeah real saw it and just took it on his own 
Who uh, knows? But works really well. Well, maybe we can get them. Maybe maybe that'll be a goal. Maybe we can get yeah. them both on the podcast. Do you think? What do you think? Like, what are the odds? We well, hey, Scorsese? I did. I know. <laughs> I I am one league of separation from Scorsese, so maybe I can. All right, on get on favors. it. Get so, on it. Yeah, I, I yeah. hey, I, I have a hunch that we might increase our reach, our audience, if we got just Scorsese. a little bit, just a just little, a little bit. bit, just yeah. a little bit. Hey, we can have dreams, right? We can hope. We can dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that note, I mean, uh, this has been awesome. I. You know, I really picked this film, honestly, on a whim, Cullen. Mm-hmm. It was really, I, I kind of was just, like, I, I, I keep my entire library of physical media on an app on my phone, and I was kind of scrolling through it. I'm like, well, what have I not seen in a while that I would, you know, like to revisit? Or or maybe, hell, I haven't seen it all, and I want to watch for the first time. And and this just popped up, and it was just a total gut reaction of like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't seen this in 20 plus years. I want to do this. And, uh, so, you know, as always, I'm like, really, um, it, it makes me happy to have such a like fulfilling conversation about it. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Um, no, I'm really glad that, that not you chose s- this cause it wasn't even on my like radar. Radar. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, and, and not that you have to enjoy it. Like I want to be perfectly clear. It's funny. Cause I had one of my wife's friends was talking to her at work and, and she was like, Hey, you know, I, I want you to know, like, I listened to your husband's podcast. I really enjoy it. But they were like, but he's like, but it's kind of funny because every time I, and he wasn't criticizing us. He thought it was mm-hmm. cute, but he was like, but every time, every single episode, every new episode, it's like, oh, that's their new favorite movie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, oh, oh no, this well, is Well, just my wait favorite. till he listens to the La La Land one. There yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's like, oh no, this is my favorite movie. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. This is my favorite that's movie. Hilarious. And, and, and okay. And, and I will agree. I'll admit that it's true that we haven't really you know, uh, covered movies that we dislike, right? Because, uh, which isn't to say that you can't learn a lot from movies that you dislike. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you absolutely can. I mean, you know, there are things that you can learn from poorly executed films, from films that missed their mark. For oh, I've got some just, ideas for my next one. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, or, or films that you just don't connect to. It doesn't even have to be a film that's not a good film for yeah. you not to connect to it. Um so there's a lot of you know uh, you can absolutely learn a lot from that but i I think a person could understand listening to this podcast why we might be more inclined to pick Mm -hmm. films that are interesting to us at the very least if not flat out enjoyed by us because Mm -hmm. of course that's going to compel a more interesting conversation from us but who knows maybe someday one of us will pick a film that the other person just full-on flat out absolutely despises and that's going to be an interesting or maybe one that we both don't no, don't like you know or maybe one that we both do, i mean look I, I think could, yeah. i have an idea in my head i'm not going to spoil I mean, it but i'm yeah I've yeah yeah I, I, and i guess part of it is that like i think both of us are kind of like gen- generally we're polite kind of nice people and as, yeah. as filmmakers yeah. ourselves, you know it's like the last thing i ever want to do is like poop on somebody's hard work you know i yeah. mean i i know how hard it is to make a film you know how hard it is to make a film L- literally just to complete a film forget mm-hmm. is it good is it bad is it this is it that just to complete the logistics you know, behind it yeah. 90 to 120 hours of moving pictures connected with audio and soundtrack like just to get that done and have like here's a movie requires usually years of 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 ass busting work by many 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 people yeah it's yeah. no joke so I, I tend to to never think of films as like, oh, this is just garbage. I'm going to crap on it for the sake of just being mean. Because uh, I know how much blood, sweat, and tears have gone into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe someday we'll do a film where we're kind of like, wow, this just didn't connect to us. And here's well, and you know, <laughs> on that note too, I think I think if we did that, it would be an exploration of like a, a, an interrogation of what we don't like about yes. it much more than just us crapping on a Here's movie. Here's where, you know, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That's just not our style. You're probably yeah. not going to get that from us if if that's what you're interested in. I'm sure there are many other podcasts where they, oh, where they yes. take the piss out of films just for fun, but yeah. that's not going to be us. Anyway, all right, everybody. Uh, Cullen, it was a pleasure. I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear your choice for next time. And everybody out there who's listened, as always, we hope you enjoy the podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time. Everybody take care. Have a good couple weeks. Yeah, bye-bye.